The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host, for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting uh, podcast with Dr. Stephanie Seneff. Now, Dr. Seneff is somebody that I've known about for a long time. I heard about her back, back in around 2000. 11 when I first went to the Hippocrates Health Institute. She is an MIT PhD. Um, uh, her PhD work was in electrical engineering and computer sciences. So she was actually a coder at one time. So and a pattern analysis expert. So we have somebody that from an engineering standpoint, how important it is to understand when somebody has that engineering uh, background, that engineers cannot make mistakes, they have to <laughs> do things right, so that things work in the real world. Now, uh, Stephanie, um, I just was looking some stuff up on you and there was a, like a science website that was ripping on you saying, what is this gal with an electrical engineering degree, um, doing, talking about, you know, glyphosate and how bad it is. Well, you also have an undergraduate degree in biology and Mm -hmm. it's one of your passions. So it's not like you haven't done this and she is a senior research scientist at MIT. So that's, that's like a full professor. It doesn't get any higher than that, does it? On the research track, yes. It's the yeah, highest on the level. research track. So anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, awesome. And you guys stick around. Um, we're going to give you a link so you guys can. Uh, she has a new book out called Toxic Legacy. It's coming out in June, right? Yes. Pretty, pretty soon. And um, it's, it's about how the weed killer glyphosate is destroying our health and the environment. And she actually breaks it down. Um, from an engineering standpoint, and um, it's going to wake a lot of people up, hopefully, and understand how pervasive glyphosate is. So what I want to do is like, let's get into your backstory real quick. And, you know, how did you get into, you know, uh, first off, going to MIT, doing what you did, and then now coming full circle back into health being your main focus and your passion helping people? Yeah, well, it has been kind of an interesting switch because I did start out at MIT. I majored in biology, and actually, biology has always been my passion. But um, I actually had trouble in the in the lab. I really couldn't handle the work involved in doing microbiology. I, I really was terrible at it, and I just decided biology wasn't right for me. And so I got my PhD in electrical engineering and computer science at a time when the you know computer science was in, in the baby stage at that time. So mm-hmm. I, I rode the I rode the wave of computer science and I was involved in the earliest work really in developing a conversational interfaces with computers, um, precursors to Amazon Echo and uh, the Siri, you know, the, the iPhone Siri, right, right. which is so popular today. We, we, we built the early systems that did that sort of thing. So it was a lot of fun. Um, about the time that our field became commoditized was when I got interested in getting back into biology and um, particularly because I was quite concerned about chemical exposures in our environment and particularly about autism. I was seeing back in mid 2006, 2006, 2007 timeframe, I was noticing the autism rates were going up dramatically in our country. 
every year more. And I was getting really concerned about that because it looked like exponential growth, which is very, very serious as the numbers get big. And we're seeing that now. I mean, autism keeps on going up every year. This year it went up again. We hardly even heard about it last April because there was all the news about COVID. It was just a blip on the screen, no, you know, no media. In, no one was trying to let us know that the rates had gone up yet again. And, and it's just really scary how many kids right now have autism and how every the first crop is now aging out into adulthood and we are not prepared for them. We don't have the facilities to take care of adult autistic people. So it, it's going to become a looming crisis. It already is. The government's not talking about it. And it, it frustrates me that they don't seem to think this is an important thing we should be worried about. And they're not looking for a, an environmental solution. They're just saying, oh, genetics, oh, genetics. I mean, it's not genetics when it's going up exponential. There's got to be an environmental factor or multiple environmental factors that are causing this increase. And the government desperately needs to get to the bottom of it and then to fix the problem. And so this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to find out which chemicals could it be. And I started in around 2007, 2008. Luckily, my field was getting commoditized to the point where it was harder for researchers to keep up because once the companies grab it and run with it, uh, as a researcher, you can't compete with companies with hundreds of people, you know, so I was yeah. ready to do something different. And this was really perfect for me. So I transitioned over to um, looking at starting with looking at correlations between health and disease, particularly focused on autism and also heart disease. And that was a personal reason because of my husband being diagnosed with heart disease at the same time. So I had those two topics and I wanted to figure out environmentally what could be causing them. What did, you I, uh, what did you discover, like, um, when you start looking as a scientist, um, <laughs> you know, in big organizations like MIT, when you're, when you're trying to find environmental reasons where people possibly there, I mean, it's kind of common sense what you're looking at. You're like, well, it must be something in the air or the water or the food or in personal care products that's causing this or a combination of this because it's the environment stupid, right? Like Dr. Bruce Lipton says, it's mm -hmm. epigenetics. And, um, what's what's the how easy is it to get funding and how, how much money is being poured into environmental toxicity in regards to people's health research well that's a huge problem actually because i feel the chemical industry of course is making a ton of money they, they get us we get sick from being exposed to all these environmental chemicals that are produced by the chemical industry mm -hmm. and then the same chemical industry produces all these you know products pharmaceutical products that are also not you know toxic chemicals, basically, in my view, many of them, and they feed you more, they're sort of, oh, you're sick, here, take this pill, right? So they're making money, you know, hand over fist, they're making it creating your illness, and then they're making more money treating your illness. And some of the same products, like, you know, the same company will, will produce something that's causing a disease, and then they'll have another thing they produce that, that treats that disease. So they've just <laughs> got it, they've got it all worked out. They're making, you know, they're, they're so wealthy, and they're, and they're feeding so much money into all the political system. You know, it's really pharma, I think. It's pharmaceuticals and agrochemicals, which are often the same industry, like Bayer yeah. owns Monsanto. So it's all the same package deal. And they know how to make lots of money. And then they use that money to influence politics so that the, the governments look the other way. And then they basically, you know, finesse the studies. They make sure the studies don't happen that would condemn their products. Uh, by just making sure the research funds that are available are all directed towards something else, you know. So often you'll see a chemical industry funding research to look for things 
that cause a disease that they know their chemical causes, but they know that you're not going to pursue their chemical because that's your funding agency. They, they play these kinds of tricks. And it's very, very difficult to get the money you need to do the research that needs to be done to show the toxicity that's happening. And so that research is just not getting done. So we just say, we don't know, you know, and, and, and they always say, if you don't know, then it's fine. But that's not true because something horrible could be happening that we don't know about. And we're just blindly poisoning everybody. And that I think is exactly what's going on with glyphosate. It took me five years. I started in 2007 and I was, and I immediately thought of the vaccines because that is one thing that has gone up uh, dramatically in step with the rise in autism. And they keep getting, adding more and more vaccines to the, to the agenda and vaccines cause autoimmune disease. And autism, I believe is uh, primarily an autoimmune disease. It's an autoimmune attack on the brain. And I think that and I think the vaccines are definitely a contributing factor, but I wasn't um, altogether content to think it was only the vaccines. As I looked for five years, I still felt there was something else going on. And I particularly zeroed in on the gut. I understood that the autistic kids often have major gut problems, you know, diarrhea, uh, gut bloating and pain and, and mm -hmm. food intolerances and very picky eater. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that they've got trouble with their gut. And of course the gut is, and we've done so much more research on the gut in the last few years. It's just amazing how suddenly we've woken up and realized the gut is really, really important. The gut microbiome, the balance, you know, lots and lots of papers are coming out on that. And they're doing some amazing research actually in terms of understanding exactly which bacteria and you know, which microbes you have in your gut and which products they're producing and what's imbalanced and all that stuff. There's an enormous amount of data there that's completely overwhelming. Um, but um, but gut dysbiosis is something that glyphosate causes. And I was looking for something that could be disrupting their gut. I was thinking maybe they were taking too many antibiotics for ear infections. I mean, I was groping, you know, at five years after having looked everywhere. And I looked at lead. Lead's not, lead causes autism. I think it's a causal factor, but it was going down, not up. So you have to think, is it a causal factor? Is it pervasive in the environment? Is it going up exactly in step with autism? You ask some questions like that. When you're an engineer, you look for data, you try to get correlations. You see if you can, and then if you have correlations, you try to get cause and effect relationship to explain how could this chemical cause this disease? That's the process that I go through. So I start with trying to find things that are correlated. Then I, once I find something, I go and look at how it could cause the symptoms that you have in autism, which are very complicated. And so um, five years, I'd been looking at vaccines. I've been looking at fluoride. I'd been looking at uh, EMFs and um, you know lead, all these things, um, and feeling frustrated because I, I knew there was something with the gut and I didn't know what it was. And then I happened to be at a conference where um, a talk was given by Professor Don Huber, uh, who's an expert on plant pathology, and he gave a talk on glyphosate. And at that moment, at that time, I did not know what glyphosate was, I'm embarrassed to admit. I didn't know what it was. I said, oh, this looks interesting. Maybe I'll go hear this talk. Why don't, why don't we just take a quick moment? Why don't you explain what glyphosate is? Because maybe there's some people that are yes. out there that they don't know, because I knew I didn't know at one point in time. What yeah, is it? Where I, does it come from? How's it getting in our food? And I lived 64 water? years without knowing what it was. So, you know, <laughs> I can imagine a lot of people don't know. It's becoming a much more of a household word lately, which I'm happy about, but obviously not everybody knows. Roundup is something people pretty much know. You go down to the uh, garden store, you get some Roundup, you, you, put, you, you kill your weeds in your in your walkway or you kill your dandelions with a roundup, um, very safe, you know, uh, over the counter. You don't have to have any kind of restrictions in its usage. And, um, and so people think it's wonderful. It kills, uh, it kills weeds very, very effectively. And um, it actually kills all plants uh, except for those that have been engineered to resist it. And so the big uh, breakthrough in food making food cheap was the discovery that they could engineer. And this is all genetic engineering, GMO technology 
And back in the late mid 1990s, um, they figured out that they could insert a bacteria. It's really pretty phenomenal biology, actually. You know, they're very the bioengineering is just amazing these days. Very scary, actually. I yeah. feel rushing forward with things we don't really understand. But they put these bacterial gene into the um, plant genome. They actually inserted it into the plant genome, and that gene makes a version of an enzyme that's critical. Glyphosate. They zeroed in on a particular enzyme that glyphosate messes up in the plants. It's called EPSP synthase. And they could give these GMO crops a version of EPSP synthase that was insensitive to glyphosate, which gave them, uh, which protected them from glyphosate. So now you can just spray the glyphosate all over the crop, kill off all the weeds, the crop thrives, you know, the crop, crop is not hurt very much. So um, it's a great, um, a great it, way it, to it, deal it, with weeds. Very it, it destroys, it destroys the plant's uh, metabolism though, doesn't it? It certainly does. I mean, it does a lot to the plants. And that's another thing they don't really want you to know. I was really shocked to find out that when they studied the GMO crops to see if they were safe, they actually produced versions of the GMO crops that were not exposed to glyphosate. Those were the crops that they tried to see if they were safe. I mean, that is just insane because of obviously the GMO Roundup Ready crop is going to be exposed to glyphosate. But when they got the approval for the crop, they, they studied a version of it that was not exposed. I mean, I don't even know how they got by with doing that. Because glyphosate is so much a part of the, the whole point of the GMO, right? Why would you do it if you didn't put glyphosate on it? Yeah. This is the kind of shenanigans they do to get these things past the regulators. And of course, they pay them a lot of money to make sure that they won't. Uh, they'll be happy to say yes. I mean, it's really the government is really the governments are just part of the problem for sure. They're yeah. just um, willing to be paid in order to not uh, notice uh, the, the toxicity of all these chemicals that we're being exposed to. And uh, glyphosate is really way up there in terms of the, the difference between its degree of toxicity and our perception of its degree of toxicity. That's one thing that's a problem with it. And the other problem with it is that it's so pervasive. It's been so successful. And because they're promoting its non-toxicity, everyone thinks if I use glyphosate, that's a good deal. Instead of using those more toxic herbicides that they could be using, I'm doing well because I'm using glyphosate on my crops. Well, that's not true because glyphosate is a lot more toxic than we realize. And so, um, Everybody's then, using course, it, like you said, food. like you said, gardeners, people spraying lawn. I grew up on a farm in Eastern Oregon. My dad had me spray it on the weeds and stuff like that. Mm. And, um, you know, it reminds me, I was a long time ago, I watched a documentary called, I think it was called King Corn. Mm -hmm. There was these two college guys and they, they had their hair tested and they found out that he was mostly made of corn. Mm -hmm. everything they were eating had corn in it. Like the, like, yes, it was even in the hamburger and the buns and all this stuff. And when it boiled back to was then I, I tied that into glyphosate because, you know, most of the corn is genetically modified corn mm -hmm. is grown in like Iowa, right? Big corn mm -hmm. fields. There's good farmers doing the work, but um, you, if, if that corn was ripe and we harvested it and you and I sit down and boiled it, you can't eat it. It's too molecularly dense. You can't even chew it. Right. So then they send it off to a mm, processing plant. That's interesting. They process it with chemicals and they right. turn it into corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup. Right. And I heard through like Dr. Clement said that, and I think he might've heard this from you. He said that um, like high fructose corn syrup. Now listen up on this one, guys, even if I'm only 1% on this, but, but up to 50% of high fructose corn syrup by weight can be glyphosate. Is that correct? I doubt it. I very much doubt it. I don't think that's correct, but it is highly contaminated with glyphosate, but the others, so the GMO crops are contaminated. The soy, so it's, the it's corn. like, it's like, it's like uh, putting Roundup in your ketchup basically. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's clearly in the food supply. And one of the frustrations I have is that the government, the U S government doesn't even bother to test it. I mean, all the things we do to test chemicals, 
that are much, much less common than glyphosate. Glyphosate is the most common herbicide on the planet. The US uses more per person than any other country. And we don't bother to find out if our food has it. I mean, I think that's just stupidity to not know how much is in. I, mean, I would love to know exactly how much is in each food. So I know which foods I can confidently eat that. If I go to a restaurant and I can order something and I can be pretty confident it's not gonna have glyphosate, I'll be happy. Otherwise I have to go certified organic everywhere, you know, which we, when we buy food at the grocery store, we always buy certified organic because that's how you can at least greatly reduce the exposure from the food by doing that. So I recommend everybody uh, do that. I know you have some issues with the certified organic label. This, we're always under pressure to weaken that label and it's, and it's not perfect. There is glyphosate in some of the certified organic foods, but it's generally much, much less mm -hmm. than what you'll find in other foods. And the other thing people don't realize is that they think, oh, non-GMO, that's gonna be safe. That's not true. Some of the highest levels of glyphosate are found in non-GMO foods like um, uh, oats and uh, wheat and, and barley and chickpeas, garbanzo beans, um, a lot of peas, uh, peas yeah. Uh, See, what you, what, you, what you just said there is like, so like, it's a big deal what you just said, right? Even if yes. it's certified organic, in some cases, even though that's better than, you know, the stuff, you know, conventionally grown and, and genetically modified, um, it can still have, um, like somebody thinks they're going to give their grandma or their child uh, an organic bowl of, of oats because they want them to have something healthy, yet it could be completely destroying their immune system. Their well, if it's not organic, it's going to be probably highly contaminated, especially if it's in, in the United States. You know, uh, Cheerios was tested and they found lot, lots of glyphosate in Cheerios. And of course, oatmeal, oatmeal is a popular food. That's got lots of glyphosate. Mm -hmm. And of course, things like hummus, which we consider to be so healthy, lots of glyphosate. So people have to really be aware of this to know if I'm going to get hummus, it has to be organic. And uh, soybeans is another one, you know, tofu. And, and soy protein bars, they're all gonna be contaminated if they're not certified organic. Mm -hmm. And the certified organic requires that you not use glyphosate, but you know, there are, you could have a neighbor who's not a certified organic farm and they spray from the airplane. You can't put a wall to say, don't come over here. That's just gonna drift over from the air. Or even the manure could contain it because the manure doesn't have to be certified organic. The cow could be eating lots of glyphosate. So, you know, it's, you, you can't avoid it in today's world, especially in the United States, because it's so pervasive. And that's what's so terrible about it. And it's in the water supply. It's in the air. If you live next to a farm, you're probably going to get sick just from breathing the air. Okay. You know, it's very sobering to think about that. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to get, I want you to dive into like what glyphosate is actually doing to our gut. We'll be right okay, back. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Humans only use 10% of the brain, and that can't change no matter how much we try. But you don't need to limit your body to the same standards. Bring your cells to 100% with Green 85 Juice Formula. Replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level. Our chemical-free juice formula is 100% organic, contains no stimulants, and is made right here in the USA. Visit chemicalfreebody.com and get Green 85 shipped right to your door. Chemicalfreebody.com Okay, Health Heroes, Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Stephanie Seneff, um, MA, MIT, PhD, um, who is really on um, something very important here. You guys know, we talk about it all the time, about chemicals, obviously our company, chemicalfreebody.com. Um, you know, Stephanie, it was uh, about eight years ago or so, or nine years ago now, I picked up, um, I, I was listening to like a podcast or something, 
read an article and, it, and I went in and I typed in three words, umbilical cord and chemical hmm. into my search browser. And up comes these studies going back to 2005, showing these researchers and scientists and doctors were looking for toxic chemicals in the umbilical cord blood of newborns and young women, supposedly the healthiest of all people, right? Well, of the 400 toxic chemicals they looked for, they found about 71%. They found about 250. And of those 250, 181 were uh, uh, cancer causers and um, about 212 de created developmental and brain disorders, right? Wow. And to think about it, we know there's over 100,000 toxic chemicals out there. We know that every year chemical manufacturers make 2,000 new toxic chemicals and only one quarter of 1% are tested. And what we're talking about here today is glyphosate and how that relates to the gut. This is definitely a toxic chemical. Um, it's showing up in over 70% of the rainwater. Like you said, it's pervasive because we're using it like crazy. It's purported as a safe vaccine. Yet when I go home and my mom and dad are watching TV, these commercials come on and lawyers are spending thousands of dollars running ads saying, if you have Hodgkin's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and you have been exposed to glyphosate, then you may be entitled to compensation. Why would an attorney firm spend lot, all that money to run an ad like that if glyphosate wasn't a problem? Right. They're, they're only doing it because they can make money because glyphosate is a problem and they're already paying out billions. When Bayer bought Monsanto, what was part, do you know what happened? What the part of the deal was about how much money got set off to the side to cover these expenses? Not nearly enough, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. I can't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. they, so well, the, Monsanto's uh, executives had assured Bayer that they had never lost the, a lawsuit. So I think Bayer was deceived. I think I suspect the Monsanto folks knew that trouble was was right around the corner because mm. they could see all these all this information coming out about glyphosate. Yeah. And they suspected they weren't going to be able to fight off the lawsuits forever. And so I think with that first non-Hodgkin's lymphoma lawsuit actually won, that was quite a stunning event. It was really a, a, a game changer for, for yeah. Monsanto. And yeah. I think that glyphosate will eventually go down. It's just a question of time. It needs to be immediately because it's, we're, it's, we're really ruining our health with this. I chemical. mean, it's crazy. When you think about, like you just said, like a multi-million dollar lawsuit, Monsanto had to pay out because it was proven in a court of law that glyphosate caused non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's just one disease they found out that it was yes. directly linked to. They had to pay out millions. Yet, even though that's happened, you and I could still walk down to Home Depot or to our right. local garden center. We can buy a little bucket of Roundup and we can spray it on our, um, on our, on our, you know, whatever around the fence on the, you know, kill a couple of weeds here and there. And people don't realize like 98% of that stuff just goes out into the water system. It yeah, it's water soluble. Out. That's really a problem because it's getting it's getting picked up by the rivers and, you know, Mississippi River is there's like a lot of cancer in in uh, New Orleans because it's at the mouth of the Mississippi River. All that glyphosate coming down from all those cornfields up up north, you know, mm, terrible. The river is very toxic. So how does how does glyphosate? What does it do to someone's um, gut biome, which is a major component in the immune system to keep us healthy? Yes, absolutely. I think that is really where I zeroed in on first. And of course, um, Professor Huber talked about that in his talk. He talked about the soil microbiome and then and by analogy, the gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. And it turns out and studies have shown that glyphosate is uh, there, certain microbes are more sensitive to glyphosate than others. And particularly bifidobacteria and lactobacillus are very sensitive. 
And those are really critical bacteria that need to flourish in the early days of life. So when the baby's born, lactobacillus really uh, is really important to help to digest the milk, you know, and to, uh, to get things off on the right start. Those are getting killed by glyphosate, which is leaving then a vacuum that allows pathogens to take over. And so you get a lot of overgrowth of things like Clostridia or D-sulfovibrio. These are species that are going to cause trouble, cause inflammation in your gut. Your immune system comes in and starts um, causing, you know, uh, pain and inflammation. And you get you get bloating, you get all these issues, you get diarrhea, constipation. All those things are a consequence of of your immune system struggling with this imbalanced gut microbiome. And of course, your, your foods are not being properly digested either. And I think that's critical with lactobacillus in particular, because they have several different uh, enzymes that they make that break down milk. Uh, the, 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 um, there's a protein in milk called casein that's actually very difficult to break down. And our gut microbes help us do that. So when those microbes are killed by glyphosate, the casein, the milk digestion doesn't work well. So the child is, you know, can't drink milk basically. And you have, they have to stop drinking the breast milk, which is so important for their health. They go on a soy f- formula and the soy oh, formula God. is loaded with glyphosate. So they really get a double hit with that. Mm. I think a lot of that, um, that really adds up. So, so the, ba- uh, the bacteria you're talking, it's the, is it the lactobacillus acidophilus? Yes. Yes, uh, and there's various strains of, lacto- of lactobacillus, um, but they're they're very important uh, for yeah. like in our milk. in our green formula. We have a lactospore, so we use the spore based. Yes, uh, that's good because so, that can get past the uh, stomach acid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we put prebiotics in with it to feed it in case people are you know cooking and denaturing all their food or their their you know the fiber that's the the prebiotic. I think there's okay. a strain called lactobacillus infantis, I-N-F-A-N-T-I-S, in, mm-hmm. you know, infant. So it's basically infant lactobacillus. That's very important for, um, but there's a bunch of different strains of lactobacillus, but the whole genre, that whole gen- uh, genus, I guess you call it, yeah. is important for, um, for gut health and especially for the infant. And, and that's so critical for the infant to get a healthy microbiome from the get-go because once it gets off, it's very, very hard to bring it back, yeah, especially you know, you if you see, keep on getting poisoned by glyphosate. Yeah, you see so many children today. I mean, I have in my health coaching practice, like there are so many young kids today with gut issues. Yes, I know. Like that's younger really and younger thing. and younger. Now that people, the kids are being born overweight. They're being born with type 2 diabetes. So they're already having that's issues. Incredible. And, and again, wow. when you think about it, Type in, um, not now, but when you get down and listen to this deal, um, umbilical cord and chemical. I mean, you can, yeah. everybody here can go see the same studies that I saw eight, nine years ago. And it's like, when you see, this is the problem is that it's microscopic and you can't see it. And humans, for some reason, we have to be seeing as believing, right? It's like, oh, how, I can't see it. You know, it's not there. It's not real. You can't even taste it, which is really a big problem. I wish we could taste the glyphosate, but we we don't notice it. The right. food tastes the same. I think that's really a huge problem. Yeah. Well, it's like natural gas, right? Has no smell to it. And if mm-hmm. you breathe that sucker in, it'll kill you if there's enough of exactly. it. And if, if it gets ignited, kaboom, your house is going to explode. <laughs> right. so, so what do they do? They put a smell in it. So it smells like... Yeah. You know, it smells like a fart, basically. It's nasty, right, right? right? And then you're like, oh, my God, turn the stove off, you know, or this. And, you you know, get out right. of the house, save yourself. But in its natural state, you can't smell it. And with glyphosate, you can't taste it. With all these toxic chemicals, they're so microscopic. Like right now, my paint's off gassing in my house. And so is yours. And we're breathing in these microscopic chemicals. They're attaching mm-hmm. to our mucous membrane in the back of our throat. And they go down into our digestive tract. And they get into our body. They get they get stuck on our fat and our muscle tissue, and we wonder. And then we have this thing called bioaccumulation. 
So um, I might so, add, by the way, that glyphosate disrupts the liver enzymes that detoxify the fat soluble chemicals. So one of the issues that happens is synergistic toxicity between glyphosate and other things, many other things. It, it binds to metals like aluminum and helps to bring them in uh, past the gut barrier and past the brain barrier. And it disrupts liver enzymes that are uh, necessary to co convert uh, fat soluble toxins into water soluble compounds that can be uh, erased excreted through the uh, urine. So when you mess up those enzymes, then you're stuck with those fat soluble uh, toxic molecules. And I think that's part of the reason why you get fat because you need to have a place to store them. If you can't get rid of them, you need to stuff them into a fat cell and hold them there so that they won't get other to other places like your brain and cause brain damage. Yeah. So what you're saying here is something I talk about, but you put a different spin on it. Cause I always tell people like, that's why we have them take our, we drink lots of purified restructured water to help right. you know, move the lymphatic system and move the body, move the lymph, get this stuff moving out, clean out the digestive tract, clean out the bowels. But we have a product called toxin detox to help get this to, you know, to get this crap out of us, these, these, these toxic chemicals out of us. And um, it's so it's, it's just so important to get this stuff out because again, you can't see it yet it's there and it's very damaging, right? Right, so, exactly. It's, so can, can you just repeat what you just said about- Yes, um, well, so basically with these fat soluble chemicals in particular, normally the liver detoxes them by modifying them with chemical reactions that involve enzymes and that makes them into water soluble molecules so that they can be uh, shipped out through the urine because the urine is water-based. So if they, if they can't convert them into water soluble molecules, you can't get rid of them. And so that's really important to be able to do that. And the enzymes that do that are suppressed by glyphosate. Okay. That's, that's, broken that's, by that's glyphosate. key. Cause what I, I always tell people is like, look, your fat tissue has, has accumulated these toxins as a protective measure so that these toxins don't kill you. And when you just start working out and doing all this stuff, you can work out as hard as you want, but your body's so smart that it's not going to release all of this at once, or it could cause some major issues for you. And what you said right. was, it'll hold on to it so that toxic chemical doesn't go into the brain or doesn't go somewhere important. Right, you, you put it into a fat cell, which means you need fat cells, which means you need to gain weight. So that's how mm -hmm. you end up fat because you're trying to store these toxic chemicals rather than poisoning yourself with them. And in yes. fact, I think the people who don't get fat, then they get poisoned, you know, so they're going to end up with more issues with, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or brain problems, you know, brain fog, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Yeah, it's a, it's a slippery slope. So let's talk about this. So let's talk about gluten because, you know, there's a, in the last 10 years, there's been this massive move to gluten free and a lot of people have gotten off gluten. They've noticed tremendous benefits because they're getting off this hybridized wheat. Um, now you're telling me that, you know, the wheat a lot of times is sprayed with Roundup at the end to finish it. So but then what's happened, I've noticed is that people go gluten free, soy free, dairy free, do all this stuff. But there's 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 not all of them are getting well and they're having the exact same problems. And what I'm learning is that it that could be glyphosate, which almost mimics um, the gluten. What's what's been your yeah, well, I think the glyphosate is the reason why we have an epidemic in gluten intolerance. In fact, I wrote a paper together with Anthony Samson on that very topic because the, the wheat and people don't realize wheat is non-GMO, no GMO wheat. And they have a GMO wheat, but the farmers refuse to use it. So it's, uh, but they can spray it with uh, glyphosate right before harvest to increase the yield. They're off, often actually chasing a frost, like up in Canada, you need to harvest the wheat before the frost and, uh, and the glyphosate turns it, it, causes it to go to seed. 
but that seed actually picks up the glyphosate. The glyphosate goes into the seed and you end up with the very high levels of glyphosate in wheat-based products. And I think it's the reason why we have an epidemic in gluten intolerance. And in fact, in our paper, we showed that the, the use of glyphosate on wheat specifically, there's data on that on the web from the United States. And when you plot that over time, it matches very well with the rise in uh, gluten intolerance over time. It matches much better than, for example, the use of glyphosate on corn and soy. I mean, it makes sense because it's the wheat that's the problem, but that really mm -hmm. points to the fact that glyphosate is, I think, a, a really key piece of the puzzle in why we have an epidemic in gluten intolerance. And it's actually similar to casein because the gluten, like casein, the, both of those proteins have a lot of uh, prolines in them. And proline is a very difficult amino acid to break apart from its neighbors. So these bacteria that glyphosate kills have specialized enzymes that break the proline apart for the host. They're performing a function for the host, but if they're being killed off, they can't do that. And then those uh, undigested proteins make their way into the general circulation. The immune system gets very upset with that. When it sees these foreign proteins in the blood undigested, it reacts to them and it produces and antibodies. And in, in inflammation. It creates antibodies, and then those antibodies start attacking your own tissues through something yeah. called molecular mimicry because it, uh, the, uh, the protein resembles uh, a protein amino acid sequence in another protein that's a human protein. The antibodies get confused, and they start attacking your own tissues, and that's how you get the symptoms. So, yeah, it's inflammation for sure, but it's all um, an immune reaction that's going on. It's like the dark side of the force starts <laughs> being pervasive in the body. Right? Yeah, it's, it's really scary. Like it's, it's, we don't even know all these molecular pathways and how much they're getting disturbed and what's going on. All I know is like, you know, um, if it's not from nature, it probably just shouldn't be in the body. And I agree with you completely. And I think I mean, anything that's not a natural, I've really gotten extremely, um, strict about not putting anything in my, in my body. That's not naturally produced. I think that's really yes, important. Very yes. important. And like and I said, even the naturally produced version of it, cause they can make in the chemical lab, something that is natural. That's not the same thing as the natural product actually. Not even close. That's why they can't make an apple from scratch. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> probably won't, probably won't be able to hopefully because that would be a scary apple. I wouldn't want to be the first one to test it. So yeah. So there's a lot of problems with the gut and guys it's, it's the gut is so important. You really have to take care of your digestive tract. I believe it's the epicenter, the driving engine of your life. Those little hair-like structures lining your intestinal tract, those little villi, they need to be taken care of. And what, what is, what does glyphosate do to um, your villi, those little hair-like structures? Have you, have you yes. Know? Well, that's this whole gluten intolerance thing, you know, becomes, uh, eventually you strip those down to, to being very flat. They're, 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 they're worn down in a sense because of the immune reaction. So the immune system is actually attacking uh, your tissues and causing tissue damage with that inflammation. And it just uh, strips them down. They, they, um, they aren't able to, to make new ones fast enough to, to keep up with the ones that are being uh, destroyed by the, by the cell's own immune reaction to this, this problem with these gluten peptides that aren't being broken down. So basically what you're doing then is you're taking these villi, which are responsible for pulling the nutrition from your food and your supplementation and your drinks into your blood. And they also create that wave-like motion, that peristaltic action that pushes your food through you. So they're very vital and you're basically just beating the crap out of them. 
Yes, yes. It's, it's beating them down, surprising. beating them down. Then they just don't work that well. So you're not, you can't absorb your nutrition as good. Right. And then on top of it, 85% of it's been farmed out of the soil anyway. And then people are having gas and bloating and poo-poo issues. And a lot of it could be just that the, you know, the mechanisms inside of you that move your uh, waste matter food through you mm-hmm. are, are being hammered on. There's another thing, by the way, glyphosate causes um, paralysis of the gut. This is actually very interesting. Well, this was like a woman who took, tried to kill herself by drinking glyphosate. And very, very interesting observation was that it paralyzed her gut. Her, it completely shut down the muscles, couldn't work anymore, uh, which is a, an extreme version of what I think is happening at low doses where it's only mm. partially paralyzed. But because it's paralyzed, everything backs up and you get into SIBO, you know, so, uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm-hmm. You get that because your food is not being moved through the gut fast enough. It piles up on the, on the ups, uh, upside yeah. of the gut. And then the bacteria go there too, because that's where the food is. And then you get a really, uh, a really bad situation with um, oh, man. comfort. Yeah. The digestive tract is a garbage removal system. It's not yeah, a storage. It works it's not beautifully a storage when it works. It's not really so important. Tank. And, you know, we didn't realize it was so important in the past because it was working just fine. So no one really paid much attention to it. It was when it started not working that we started noticing it and the researchers started getting interested in the gut microbiome. That's because I think glyphosate has become pervasive and everybody's gut is getting mm. disrupted by it. Of course, other chemicals are disrupting it too, but I think glyphosate's right up there on the front of the line. Well, you just said something again, very profound, because you just said like, look, there's this lady, she tries to kill herself by drinking glyphosate, (laughs) right? It paralyzes her gut and her muscle action. And what you said is like, when you're constantly exposed to this from the water you drink, basically in the foods you eat and these glyphosate ridden uh, products, aren't you paralyzing your gut a little bit? And the answer is, yeah, not as much, but enough to cause things like SIBO, I think. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, tying your shoelaces together and trying to walk. You can still walk, but you can't walk as good. And if you try too much, you're going to fall down, right? You could, right. You could, you could injure good yourself. Good analogy. It's, it's kind of like toothpaste as an example. I always tell people, if your toothpaste says harmful if swallowed, contact the poison control center, you might want to rethink putting that in your mouth again, because <laughs> right. aren't you poisoning yourself a little bit every time you put it in your mouth? Because, yeah. you know, you, you absorb certain amounts of things through the mucous membrane in the mouth. It goes right into the bloodstream, no liver to filter it. And you are going to swallow a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. You know, why do they have to put danger signs on toothpaste? Something that, how is that even possible? How, this is when I freaked out. Cause I'm like, I thought there was the FDA protecting me. I go into a store, I can grab my chicken strips and my Jojo's and my toothpaste and my shampoo and it's all good and healthy. And it says all natural, you know, so you're uncovered. Like, it's all good. I'm busy. I'm doing my thing. I don't know anything about this, all this stuff and health. And like, I'm just a, I'm just an American trying to live my life and be happy and raise my kids or play or do whatever I'm trying to do. And yet this stuff is in our food products. It's on our consumer products and they're allowing it in there. The government's not protecting us. Right. So, I mean, I think it's just awful that we, uh, if you realize that it's so poisonous and then you realize that you can't avoid it, it's very, very frustrating to think there's no way I can protect myself from this chemical. It's quite a frightening realization. I went through that, you know, that you cannot keep yourself safe from glyphosate in this world. If you live in this country, it's pretty much impossible to completely avoid it. Yeah. It's, it's going to come in somewhere, some way. So then the question is, is like, learn where it can come from, stop putting in the best you can. And then what are you doing in your lifestyle to get it out? 
right? Mm -hmm. right. And that's some of the things that we teach over here is how to get these toxic chemicals out of the body. And, you know, we have commercials and stuff that we have with our products, but, you know, um, I don't know if we have one on toxin detox, but for those of listening today, that is a very critical product that you should be thinking about as an insurance policy to slowly be chelating the glyphosate out of your body on a daily basis. So, hey, we're going to take another quick break, Stephanie. And when we get back, I want to get into a little bit because we're talking about gut health here, right? And people mm-hmm. listening, we, they're really into gut health and, and being healthy and that being the epicenter. And I want you to also not just talk about glyphosate, but let's get into the vaccines a little bit and the research you've done there mm-hmm. on what that's done to the gut. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. You want the absolute best for yourself and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Stephanie Seneff, um, MIT, PhD. And um, we're talking everything gut health and glyphosate. Now, one of the other correlations that you noticed that was really destroying our immune system, um, our gut health part of our immune system, is also not just the glyphosate, but vaccines came to play. So what did you find out about vaccines as well? Uh, maybe not so much a gut health. I'm not as sure about that, but uh, but certainly autism. I really think that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about vaccines and autism, and there's been a lot of mainstream messaging that says that's not true. Forget this. It's all fake news, you know, mm-hmm. which I find very frustrating because I do think particularly the MMR vaccine, I feel like uh, it's very clear to me that it is linked to autism. And also the aluminum containing vaccines. Aluminum is definitely linked to autism. You know, Chris, uh, uh this work? <laughs> I lost his last name. There's That's an okay. expert in, um, I know his last name, but it's just a, a senior moment here. <laughs> I'll think of it in a moment. Uh, he's, he's an expert on aluminum and it goes way, way back um, for years, uh, probably decades even. And he only recently found out that there's a lot of aluminum in the autistic brains. He did a study on autistic brains post-mortem and, um, and found a uh, remarkable levels of aluminum similar to what you see in in alzheimer's and it really changed him because he had not been thinking of the vaccines as playing a role in autism until he saw that for firsthand and then he became outspoken on the vaccines and it's caused him uh, trouble because now he's of course on the hit list of uh, the mainstream is just so determined to make sure that we hear the message that vaccines are safe they're effective there's no problem with them you know and, and we just keep on adding more and more vaccines to the schedule for the yeah. kids. And they are getting overwhelmed by the amount of stuff they're getting from those vaccines. I think it's, uh, we need to turn that around. We really need to turn that around, I feel. And I think Terrible. it's equally impo- important. It's up there with glyphosate in my book as one of the critical things we need to fix. And of course, the vaccine industry is the same thing as the pharmaceutical industry. That's all one big package that's really destroying our health. And you look at mm-hmm. children today, over 50% of them have some kind of autoimmune, you know, chronic condition. It's just shocking the number of kids who are sick, not just autism, but all kinds of uh, autoimmune diseases, you know, like type one diabetes and asthma and eczema. I mean, just they're really ADHD, 
you know, brain problems and, and skin problems. It's just really, really sad to see. And I have to say there's a new paper out within the last year. Um, James Weiler is uh, one of the authors on that paper. It's a two author paper. The other author is the, um, has a, a large clinic where they treat uh, children, a pediatric clinic with, and they've had thousands of kids come through over the past several years. Mm -hmm. And they did a study looking over like a 10 year period and they have different, the clinic is actually sort of anti-vaccine. So they try to encourage parents to think in terms of fewer vaccines, spacing them out. So they have a great uh, group of uh, data to work with. Several of like several hundred of their children are completely unvaccinated and then others are completely vaccinated. So they can compare those groups, the completely unvaccinated and completely vaccinated with respect to uh, doctor visits related to health problems. Mm. And so they did a whole, in this paper, they have a whole a detailed accounting of how many visits did you have from the kids who were unvaccinated versus the ones who were fully vaccinated for all these other problems like asthma and eczema and all those things. And they found with each one of them that the vaccinated kids were far less healthy than the unvaccinated kids. Very, very consistent pattern. And uh, there was another study earlier that looked at homeschooled kids and did a survey and found the same thing. Many, many more problems with eczema and asthma and ADHD. Where, where was these... that clinic at? Oh, I don't know. I'll have I can send you the paper. There, there was um, there's a doctor who had a large pediatric pediatric clinic here in Portland, Oregon. I'm trying to get his name and, and I want to get him on my show and learn, but he did it almost sounds like the similar thing. He had all, oh, could this, be, yeah. all this data, thousands of kids, and he looked at vaccinated kids versus the ones that it weren't sounds vaccinated. Like it's the same one. Threw it all out and it was just like unequivocal, no question. Kids are healthier without vaccines, you know? Yeah, it's so clear. And, 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 you know, it's just it's just really sad that the mainstream refuses to acknowledge that. And then they don't refuse to do the study, too. I mean, the CDC has no excuse for not doing some study like this. They mm -hmm. just refuse to do it. And it really is frustrating because they know if they do it, they're going to re reveal that the vaccines are making the kids sick. And they don't want to do that because they get so much money from the vaccines that they don't want them to fail. I mean, that's the situation we're in. It's all driven by the money. And it just makes me very, very angry because our children are our future. And if we're just going to make them all sick, we're not going to have a future. This country is well, not going to be able to. Right now, 50% of them are severely sick with autoimmune disorders. Yeah, over 50% have some what kind I just of, said? I mean, that's what yeah, I'm just repeating what Valerie said. It's, it's 50% right now have auto. That's ridiculous. Our children have autoimmune disorders. Yeah. That's insane. Autism one, in back in the, one in 54 yeah. have autism and autism is a very serious con condition. And one in 54, I mean, that is a huge number of children when you think about it. Yeah. And if we stay it's, on these current trends, I saw that autism race would be by the year 2050, it'd be one out of two children will be autistic. So yes. fast forward 20 years, who's going to be doing the plumbing? Who's going to be the financial advisor? Who's going to be the naturopath? Who's going to be putting down concrete? Because you're either going to be with, you'll have autism or you'll be taking care of somebody with autism. So then where are we going to be at? Right. right. And unfortunately, the boys are much more sensitive than the girls. So it's going to be 80 percent of the boys and 20 percent of the girls. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's most going to be hard, going to be be hard for your daughter to find a, a decent, a decent <laughs> That's husband. Right. It's right. just That's I mean, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. And I don't understand why we don't even hear anything in the news about it. It should be front page news. It really should. It, be. It really should be. And this is an interesting, interesting. Uh, I want I want your take on this. So when when COVID came out, we had the initial lockdowns, right? Parents were not able to go in to see their pediatricians and get these baby well visits, as they call, call them. Right. And I was looking at infant mortality rates and, and infant mortality rates, as soon as the children couldn't go in and see the doctors and get their 
inoculations or vaccines, the death rate just dropped considerably. I saw, yes, I saw a lovely uh, analysis. It was done by somebody on the web and, they, and it was really very powerful because they showed sudden infant death syndrome went way down as the kids were not getting their vaccines. So that think about, th- yeah, think about what she just said, guys. So, you know, we get locked down, sudden infant death syndrome drops dramatically when the children can't get in and get the vaccines. And then she points out to another study where a massive clinic might be the same one I was turned on to, where they took vaccinated children versus unvaccinated children. And unequivocally, the unvaccinated children were head and shoulders more healthy than the ones that were vaccinated. We know that the vaccine, the, the pharmaceutical companies' patents are running out on their biggest, most profitable drugs. They become mm-hmm. a generic now, and it's like five billion dollars in fifteen years to get these things approved. And but because of the 1986 Vaccine Act, they're not considered pharmaceutical drugs; they're like therapeutics or something. So they have near the testing, they bring them right to market. And and like when I was a kid back in the early, late 70s, early 80s you know, four or five shots, you got your MMR shot, maybe like tetanus or something like that. And I can't remember what it was, but now kids by the age 18, they're getting like 70 shots. It's ridiculous. And they 70? started adding all these shots after they got that law passed, you know, they were, they were so happy free ride and they can really be sloppy about the pre-testing. And then if somebody gets sick, they're not even liable. That's just really yeah, you can't uh, sue it's them. ridiculous. I don't understand how the government can possibly think that this is an okay thing to do. Well, I think what it really boils down to is us, the people. And what we've done is we've looked at people and here's the reality. If you're listening today and you believe that like Joe Biden's a good guy, or you believe that, you know, Trump was a good guy, it doesn't matter anymore. We have got to stop looking left and right, black versus white, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, pro-mask, anti-mask. It's all, that's all to divide and conquer us, to get us fighting against ourselves. What we need is we need truth. And that truth is going to come from work like what uh, Dr. Seneff is doing here, where she's doing biological, um, you know, science based on scientific method, not scientific consensus, because it wasn't too long ago. Oh, all the scientists were like, the earth is, or the, you know, the sun goes around the earth. And if somebody mm-hmm. said something against it, our scientists like, no, I've got data over here showing that the earth is actually um, going um, uh, around the sun. And, oh, no, we all say that it's you're an idiot. You throw rocks at him, kill him, kill her. You know, that that scientific consensus, just because a bunch of scientists say it's so doesn't mean it's so because it has to be tested and it has to be repeatable. And there has to be, you know, it's can you explain the difference between the scientific um, consensus it's checkbook science versus the scientific method really quickly. Yeah, I mean, the scientific consensus is just a joke because that's just something they're doing politically because they don't want you to question it. And they really, I think the COVID-19 vaccine is an excellent example. These messenger RNA vaccines are brand new technology, first time ever released, ever used on humans. And they're doing a massive experiment on the entire world, you know, just pouring this vaccine into people's arms as if everything's fine. And if anybody dares to say, hey, wait a minute, that might be dangerous because of this and that and the other, here's some biology that I'm worried about because I can see how this could happen. They like censored, you know, like, no, you can't say that. That's fake news. It's fake news to say that these vaccines are not safe. 
which I find really, really disturbing, you know? And so they just make sure that the messaging is there over and over. These vaccines are wonderful. They're gonna save us from this COVID-19 nightmare. You have to do your civic duty to line up and get your vaccine. And there's nothing in there that says, wait a minute, you know, you don't know, you might actually die from this vaccine, you know, and you could. And so you're getting people dying two hours after they get the vaccine, they were fine. They got the vaccine. They died two hours later. Oh, well, the vaccine had nothing to do with their death. I mean, this is just amazing to me that they can, with a straight face, say something like that. It's appalling. It really is. So before we before we wrap up here, what what is your what would your words of wisdom be for, you know, average person like me, doesn't know any of this stuff. It's got some possible gut issues, not quite feeling their way way they want to, or they, they want to maintain their health. And they're like, wow, this is kind of resonating with me. I want to do more. What are the things that they should avoid? How can they avoid certain types of foods and um, things in their water? What would you recommend? Well, certainly, you know, I think the most important thing is to eat certified organic. And the next most important thing is to eat whole foods. So don't buy soy protein bars. You know, don't eat processed foods, eat whole foods and eat lots of uh, vegetables and fruits and, and meats and seafood. I mean, all the sort of, I guess that maybe is called something like a Mediterranean diet, perhaps. Um, <laughs> high fat diet. I think fats are extremely healthy, especially animal fats or, mm -hmm. or saturated fats, which people find actually surprising. <laughs> you know, saturated fats have been demonized, but actually I think they're among the healthiest fats. Butter, um, lard. We actually use a lard in cooking, um, organic lard. Mm -hmm. and, and I love butter, organic butter. I eat a lot of dairy actually and, and fermented in dairy, fermented foods in general, sauerkraut, um, yogurt, those kinds of things, sour cream. I think those are all excellent uh, foods to eat. And um, so uh, it basically it's pretty simple. Just go back to eating the way people used to eat back in probably the 1800s. Clean. You, know? you just want it to be clean and, and pretty much or glyphosate. Certified organic free. is yeah. super, super important. Uh, I can speak personally from that because both my husband and I have def definitely seen our health improve after going to a certified organic diet, which we've done for many years now. Ever since I mm -hmm. figured out that glyphosate was toxic, we switched over to certified organic. Yeah. We had a, we had a, a whole purge at one point. We just said, okay, we were sort of keeping foods until they were used up and then buy an organic replacement and at one point we said no 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 we're not eating this stuff anymore we threw the whole thing out everything we had yeah. wasn't certified organic in the in the trash can and so well, uh, i think this is really good important. because you're, you're also giving people because there's a lot of people out there that i tell hey look there's a lot of people smarter than me you've got phds in certain categories you know there you might be a good um rocket ship builder you might build bridges you might be an electric electrical engineer you might be a con computer sciences person you might be a, a, gen a genius coder you're brilliant but when it comes to our health most of you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground and mm -hmm. i was i was that same person like you know 10 years ago i didn't understand any of this stuff like but i was exposed to it and i healed myself and i'm like wow i'm in control of my health so I love about you is you have a lot of brains on your, on your shoulders and, but you were smart enough after you did your research on this stuff, trying to get to the bottom of autism and all these gut issues, you realize that I too need to change my diet and I need to have more whole food, um, uh, you know, and, and certified organic stuff. And by doing that, you, you and your husband noticed an improvement in your health too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that's so cool. That's really awesome. It's so simple, and you'll save um, you'll save enough on medical bills to make the difference between the extra you spend on on certified organic food. I oh, believe. 
Oh, a lot. And your quality of life is going to be so much better when you're not flooding your body with toxic chemicals, just randomly going into the store, grabbing a box of cereal that says enriched wheat flour on it, or even if it says whole wheat, you know, it's probably laced with glyphosate. And, yes. and um, it's just, you don't want to put that in your kids and in yourself and you're going to destroy, you know, you might have, I mean, I think about like honeycombs. I'm like, I'd like to have a bowl of honeycombs right now, but I ain't putting that crap in my body because, you know, I know what it's going to, I don't want to go back to bleeding rectally and having all the problems that I mm-hmm. had and having mm-hmm. all my Gosh. eczema and psoriasis that I had 10 years ago. Oh, wow. That's great that you repaired that. No, no fun when, you know, your elbows are bleeding all over people's couches, people's walls <laughs> in their house. <laughs> Sounds pretty bad. Then you go to the bathroom and you got blood coming out there. That's why my yeah. shirt says um, love when you poop, because oh. I used to, I used to hate it. It was painful. Oh, wow. It was very painful. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, it's really, um, I've been wanting to like, just talk with you for a long time. I've known about you for over a decade now. And to have you on the show today is, is really, um, it's awesome. It's surreal. Um, I'm excited. Um, hopefully we can have you back on. Um, she has a new book. Again, we talked about it earlier. It's coming out very soon. Toxic Legacy. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might not be out quite yet, or it might already be out. So check it out. Look her up. Dr. <laughs> Stephanie Seneff. That's S-T- Stephanie, how you normally spell it and S-E-N-E-F-F, M-I-T, Ph-D, in her book, Toxic Legacy, How the Weed Killer Glyphosate is Destroying Our Health and the Environment. Stephanie, where's the best place for people to reach you? Uh, I have a webpage, stephaniesenef.net, so you can start there. And I have an MIT page you can reach from there that has a much longer uh, URL, but um, the MIT page has tons and tons of stuff on it, all kinds of slideshows and um, papers that I've written and things like that. Awesome. So if you guys are a lay person like me, you're probably like, okay, I'm just going to avoid the glyphosate. If you have somebody, a friend or family in your life, that's more, uh, nerdy and wants to go down the rabbit hole and, and read studies and stuff like that. Stephanie can be your gal. She can definitely be one of the resources. She's providing that for people. Um, and you can lead people to those resources at stephanie So again, Stephanie, thanks for having on. And thank you listeners around the world for being here um, and and being part of the ripple effect of of change, you know, Um, sharing this, leaving comments uh, and sharing our videos are very, uh, very important way to do it. An easy way to do it where you can get a message like Stephanie's out and bring awareness to other people that you care about. It's awesome. Um, We appreciate you guys so much. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again real soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. (laughs) 